welcome to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast featuring top business leaders. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I'm the author of Write Your Book in a Flash. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Jamie Crump. Welcome. Hi. I'm so happy to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm the owner of the Richwell Group, which is a consulting firm that specializes in supply chain and supplier diversity. We help uh, large companies and small ones on either building out their programs or helping them uh, leverage programs that are already in place. Fantastic. And you wrote a book. Why did you write a book? (laughs) I wrote a book because I was having a hard time finding information um, on the topic that I was looking for. And that was uh, supplier diversity and how to use it as a business strategy. So there's a lot of information out there about diversity and inclusion that's more from the HR side of the house. But when I started looking for things for supplier diversity, getting them into your supply chain, um, I was having a hard time finding things. And since I have worked in both supply chain and supplier diversity, um, I decided that I would write I would write a book. So when you wrote the book, what, how, what did you draw on uh, to for your content? Did you have existing content or did you start from scratch? I started from scratch. I had never written anything. Um, I did an outline. Uh, so those of you in school, just keep doing those outlines. You really do use them later on. <laughs> uh, but I did outline the chapter topics and then started to fill that in. And I had those on um, big sheets that I had hung around my office. And then I started actually writing and uh, filling in the gaps and using my experience, uh, 25 years in supply chain and supplier diversity, as well as just stories and examples. I think people learn better with stories and analogies and things of that nature. So trying to put those in to the different line item topics that I had in the outline. Great. And how long did it take you to write your book? Well, I started it in about uh, April of last year, and I finished it in November. So April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So about uh, eight months, which is great. How much time did you spend writing the book? Were you, did you write every day, or how did you work it into your schedule? Because you have, like many people listening on this call, you have other things going on in your life and in your business. I- I have a day job of running the company. That's correct. Um, I am not a good write every day kind of gal. Um, And I really envy those people that get up every morning and plug out 2000 words before they have breakfast or whatever. Um, I tended to be more, I wrote at least three times a week. And when I sat down, it could be anything from an hour until about uh, three hours. But after that, I was really kind of burning out. So, um, very rarely any longer than that at a given point in time. Um, as I got closer to deadline, and especially when I was doing rewrites uh, during the editing process, um, I would write for an hour to an hour and a half and then take an hour and a half off um, and do something completely unrelated to the book uh, before I came back. 
Yeah, it's a good idea to clear your mind. You know, some people think they can sit for eight hours, and some people actually can. I can't. I think everyone no. reaches a point of burnout, and they just need to walk away and you know, eat an apple or do push-ups or walk around the block or watch television or do anything to just clear their mind. And that's okay to do. It's, it's all right to give yourself permission to do that. Don't think that you have to be tied to the desk to, to write your book. It comes in inspiration and flashes and sometimes walking around. Um, I mean, I get great ideas taking a bath. You know, it's like, oh my God, here's a great idea. I have to run out of the tub and write it down. Uh, so whatever works, everyone works differently. You know, we spoke earlier and it said, you know, how do you find your voice? And uh, you, you, you had a very interesting answer for that. <laughs> I write the way I talk. Mm-hmm. I write the way I talk. So uh, it tends to be very conversational. Um, and I, I start that way and I just pour it out. And then I usually go back through and put the punctuation in so you can really, so you who were not there when I was saying it can understand what I was saying. Um, and, but I don't make a lot of changes to it from that standpoint. Um, it really comes through in my voice of me telling the story and I try and do it from the sense of having a conversation with people. Fantastic. People like that kind of approach. Uh, you also told me that you were influenced by other authors and you were inspired and to use their tone as well. So you can tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. I, I read a lot and um, I actually attended a class about how to write a book when I was doing this because I didn't want to just try and do it on my own. Um, when I'm doing something, I like to find the experts and then let them tell me what I should be doing. So one of the tips that I was given was to find books that were in a voice that I liked or that I wanted to be like. So I ended up um, I reading a lot of Doris Kearns Goodwin. Um, I think her style is very conversational. It's, it's usually a very deep subject, but she still makes it palatable and, and you feel like you can take it in, uh, in bites. And David Halberstam is another one that, um, I love his writing style because you just feel like you're walking down the streets of New York with him, um, having a conversation while he's telling you this. So, uh, so they had a big impact on, on my writing style. What about any kind of, uh, scholarly works uh did you, did you read anything that would that, that would help you present data and information in a succinct manner i did and you know i was concerned about writing in the conversational style that the data might seem less credible so for that aspect of it i actually turned to the harvard business journal because you can't get much more uh <laughs> Uh, heavy duty than that when it comes to the facts and the data and presenting um, results. So I did a lot of reading of both their stories as well as some of their white papers. Fantastic. Those are great resources that, you know, people uh, unfortunately think that they they have to do it by themselves and uh, where they get their inspiration from. And I think if they follow your ideas of reading great authors and reading great magazines that have their voice then it makes the job a whole lot easier. I remember in college when I would be inspired to write, you know, creative fiction, I would read authors that I liked and you can't help but start to mimic their style. So if one author has really short sentences like Hemingway and very using Anglo-Saxon words instead of Latin based words, it it, Uh it rubs off on you in very subtle, subtle ways. Um, now, I know your book is uh, is just about coming out, of course, this podcast. People could be listening to this three years from now. Um, but let's talk about the marketing aspects of your book. What did you do 
before your book came out to uh, get the word going in your circles? Well, we did a couple of things. One thing is we did a sneak peek. So uh, we would offer to people to, if you would like to take a look at what a little bit about what the book's going to be about, uh, you could uh, register and you could get a little sneak peek, which was a chapter, a chapter and a half, I think. Um, we've also used social media, uh, which is a great venue for uh, getting the word out and getting information out. You can kind of give it out in uh, snippets, if you will. Uh, my book features on uh, five main cast members um, that make up a good supplier diversity business strategy. So you can do things for each of those five, or you can put things out that tie the five together. Did you speak at conferences? I do. I speak at conferences a lot. I do uh, both supply chain and supplier diversity conferences. Um, and that's a great way to meet people. And you can kind of spread the word there as well and let them know what you're doing. Some conferences don't allow you to actually advertise the product. Um, but still, you're talking to people over lunch and, and uh, word spreads regardless, even if, even if you're not the one that's out there doing it. So it's been a great way to uh, to meet not only potential buyers, but also customers. Great. Did you give them anything, a reminder or anything to, so they you know, hit, were hit with so many advertising messages and they may like you and say, oh, I'm going to get your book. But six months later, you know, no one remembers what they had for breakfast that day. What would you do? Yeah, to, uh, yeah we do. Yeah. We have a thing where you can text, uh, text in. And uh, we will let you know when it's out, but we also let you know it's coming or, you know, if we have um, offers that we're doing on dollars off, um, we also make sure that uh, the people who have registered get that as well. Fantastic. You also told me during the green room that you had bookmarks saying coming in spring 2020. Um, can <laughs> you tell us what, what, what content did you have on the bookmark? Um, that was really something to, to kind of, keep me in line, if you will. Oh, really? uh, I, I, was, so. I was I was attending an event and my publisher was going to be there. And so I was on a panel for them and uh, everybody else had books to give out. Mine wasn't ready yet. So I wanted something. Um, and I felt like that was a good way to kind of keep, uh, keep it up front and center for me too, that you can't let this lag. But I did put a picture of uh, uh, one piece of the book cover and a little bit of information about it, my website address, and then coming in 2020. And so uh, where everybody else was uh, giving away a book or people were buying books, I could then give them a bookmark to put into it. Great idea. So if your book isn't ready yet, there's still little things you can give out uh, as placeholders to uh, earn a spot in people's minds. Uh, fantastic. Absolutely. Were there other marketing ideas? I know you're working with a PR person. What are you doing to, uh, I know you're in pre-launch phase. You're about four weeks away as we're talking from here. What other ideas do you have that you can share? Um, you know, I think it's, you have to make sure that you're feeding that social media standpoint um, and, you know, find the balance that's right for you. Um, I come from a sourcing background, so we, we get a little jitterish when we hear from people more than once a week. <laughs> uh, because we're used to that whole sales thing. So my PR person is usually trying to talk me into doing more than I'm willing to do, but you really have to find the balance that's right for you. But what we're trying to do now is just get something out there on a weekly basis in one of the social uh, media venues. 
So we're not hitting all channels, all sparks, but there's something out there that's going on that'll tie back to the book, usually on a weekly basis. And then the people who are saying we're interested and we want to know when, we are gathering that information and making sure that we've got that. And then uh, as we get closer to launch date, then we'll be sending them some special stuff um, in terms of you know, doing a, a pre-order and getting the first ones that come out as well as, uh, as a discount on the book itself. Great ideas. Uh, getting back to the writing of the book, uh, what did you learn about the writing process that uh, when you worked, when you finally finished the book, you said, gee, I wish I knew now what I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, well, I told you about doing the outline mm -hmm. um, and I set all the chapters up, which were kind of topic oriented um, all ahead of time. And, you know, there was some shuffling that happened with that, but it pretty much stayed the way I had laid it out there. What I tended to do, though, was I would go up to my office and I would look around at those sheets and I would pick something that appealed to me that day. And that's what I would write about. So I was not trying to do something in a chronological order. I wasn't start at chapter one and work your way through because they were different topics. And in the end, you had to tie them together, but you could write, you know, you didn't have to do it in a certain order. Um, and it was great for first time writing because it really helped me get a lot of uh, progress uh, because I could kind of do whatever, you know, floated my boat that particular day. Um, what I learned later, though, was there are some things that are never at the top of the list. And then as you get down towards the end, when deadlines are tight and you're really trying to push, you find yourself working day in and day out on the things that you least like writing about. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, if I were doing that again, I would probably still take the approach of picking something, but I would also identify those and pick off a little bit on each of them as I go through so that you're not setting at the end with this deadline and all of this work that may not be the most inspiring pieces for you. Great ideas. You know, I tell my clients that no one who reads the book knows in which order you wrote the book. So we all have biorhythms. We all have days when we can take on the world and tackle the most difficult tasks. And there are days when you just can barely you know, write five words and, and, and get it done. Uh, and that's okay because there's some things that are easier than others, like getting quotes for a chapter or finding citations yeah. for a study. And those are the things you do on the days when you have no energy whatsoever, but, you know, they have to be done. Uh, I'm uh -huh. working with the client now where I have to do citations and it's like, I hate doing this stuff, but that's the only thing I need to do to finish this chapter. And uh, that's a lot I did, I did a lot of citations yeah. on airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. Uh, let's talk about case studies for a minute because I know you, you, you probably have a lot of case studies in your book. Was it difficult to get information from your clients? Do they want to be publicized, uh, especially if there was a, a touchy matter that you helped them with? Was that ever an issue? That, that was an issue. And there were cases, you know, sometimes I'm going into a situation where they don't really want people to know that they're getting help. And so in, over and above the normal non-disclosure that you're doing with any client, um, they really wanted to make sure that, you know, it wasn't out there that, hey, I went and helped so-and-so because their supply chain piece over here was broken. Um, so what I ended up doing in the book was for those types of things, I did not use a case study in the sense of I went to company ABC and here's what happened. 
Um, I told it more in the story of, you know, I had an industrial client who was doing this and here's what we found and here's what we did and put it more into a story form. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that helps because I don't have to go back to that company now um, Mm -hmm. and convince them that I'm not going to embarrass them. Or, you know, I also don't want a situation where I've got six people who need to read parts of it um, or legal groups that need to read it before I can go forward. Uh, So I wanted to avoid that as much as possible. So really the only thing in there where you're, where I'm actually mentioning companies is I talk about small businesses, diverse owned businesses that are in non-traditional areas. Um, And so that's supporting a point I make that, you know, people think that they can't find diverse companies in outside of, you know, given traditional areas. Um, So here's some non-traditional ones, you know, to prove my point. And for each of those, I just did a paragraph and it was about what they were about and they were more than happy uh, (laughs) to have it in there. So, uh, so that's really how I did. So it's probably not, it's not the case study from the Harvard Business Review point. Um, It's just more of, I, I worked with a company and they had this problem and here's how we addressed it. Well, that's a great way to get around those sticky situations because as consultants, we come in and we deal with companies in very, uh, delicate situations and they don't want their their problems exposed even if you did help them and they are well on their way to success now someone could look bad or it could be interpreted as someone looking bad so by not naming the company um you can tell the story and prove your point because really when people read the story they want to see what was the change agent what was the transformation it really doesn't matter who the company is um it matters what the solution was and how it came into effect Yeah, it could be a widget, it could be a shoe, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's things that everybody experienced. So as long as you can tell them how to help, then, uh, then usually they're fine. Fantastic. That's great advice. Jamie, as we're wrapping up here, why don't you tell us who your uh, preferred client is and how we, we can get in touch with you and tell us about your book. Uh, preferred client is anyone who needs help with their supply chain or, uh, building or helping a plateaued, uh, supplier diversity strategy. Uh, the book is Backstage Pass, Pulling the Curtain Back on the Business of Supplier Diversity. If they're interested, they can text the word backstage to 33777. They'll get the sneak peek and they'll get notified when the book's ready and when we have some dollars off on it. Uh, for the Richwell Group, my company, that is therichwellgroup.com. So 33777 backstage and therichwellgroup.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks, everyone, for joining us on the show. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.